father's lightsaber. What? Lightsabers, precious? Welcome to What's Lightsabers Precious? The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars Encyclopedia Podcast, where you waste time on fictional wikis. My name is Ryan. And my name is Joanna. Hello. Guess dear. what? What? Nothing whatsoever has happened in the news this week. Nope, it was a boring week. Now you might say something like, well, what about the R. Kelly allegations? What about the or government shutdown? What about the government shutdown? Well, the R. Kelly allegations, okay, that's kind of important. But you know what? Screw the government shutdown. We're talking about Lord of the Rings and Star Wars news, and there's none. Well, it turns out that the Lord of the Rings and Star Wars news agencies are part of the government, and so they got shut down this they week. They got shut down. They've they're all on furlough. For three weeks, they've been on furlough, so deal with it. They are working for no pay, and so we can't expect them to put out their best work. Or, in fact, any work. Thanks, President Cheeto. Man, make Donald Trump again. Kofefe. That's podcast, huh? All right. Let's get away from the real world into the fantasy world of Middle Earth. You ready for a real fantasy world? Yeah. How about a girl power world? I've seen Spice World. A world where women have power. Girl power. How about that fantasy world? What about the bomb on the bus? Well, I'll tell you about the bomb on the bus, but first, I'll tell you about some queens. Yes, queens. Not the kind of queens that you go to see with your friend for her bachelorette party and you play bingo and they, like, insult you and insinuate that you perform oral favors. So this is not going to be... For your husband to get a big ring. RuPaul's Middle Earth Drag Race today. This is not going to be RuPaul. <laughs> we should do an episode like that. I don't know. Fun. I don't know how we pull it off, but we should. Sashay away. Sashay away. Shante, you stay. <laughs> No, uh, Tolkien is admittedly kind of a sausage fest, as we've mentioned several times, so I think it's about time we have a Women's History Month around here. Uh, Women's History Month, uh-huh. granted, is in March. It's January. But uh, we definitely did Halloween, starting several months early, and also LGBT History Month was like a month late. So this is par for the course for this podcast. We don't do things on time, we follow our own schedule. Time is relative, and also a flat circle. And also, Fake. Time is fake. <laughs> Time is completely fake. It doesn't exist. So we're going to talk about the queens of Numenor. Just to remind everyone, Numenor is a star-shaped island gifted to the men who helped the elves fight against Morgoth in the First Age. Yes, they're the most, they're these tall, beautiful people. I mean, like, tall. Like, like, like eight feet tall. Like, wicked tall. And we talked about last week a little bit in the People of Color episode. They're kind of not good people. They're kind of not great. Yeah. Um. So, Tolkien obviously took some inspiration for Atlantis uh-huh. to create Numenor. Atlantis, that being the island where many of the Nazis believed the first Aryans came from. So, absolutely real. And, like Aryans, the Numenorians were not great. Not great. Okay. Not great. Um, but we're just going to focus on the women. And surprise, surprise, the women, also not great. Who is? <laughs> well, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about uh, just how not great they are. So Numenor was an amazing civilization that eventually fell because A, Sauron started a human sacrifice cult. That'll and everybody just kind of went along with it. And B, the people who ruled it were dickheads. So, <laughs> okay. like Tolkien's universe in general, rulership of Numenor is a fest of sausages. All boys. So there were just three queens of Numenor, Tar Ankalime, Tar Telperion, and Tar Vanimelde. And these are the only queens to rule the island of Numenor in their own right. So saddle up, put on some Spice Girls, and brace yourself for a straight shot of girl power. No chaser. Tell you what I want, what I really, really want. And what I really want is Taran Kalime! Yeah! The about, first queen of Numenor! How did you know? I was going to say that. Just like Mel B said. Yeah. So, she ruled for 205 years between 1075 of the Second Age and 1280 of the Second Age. Now, Ankalime is a Quenya word meaning brightest, but I feel like the name doesn't really fit her personality. So it's not She's that, a dumbo then. No, it's not that she was dumb. She just didn't have a particularly sparkling demeanor. She wasn't Ms. Personality. In fairness, though, Tara and Kalime had reason to be a bit pissed off. Well, tell me about it. Well, she was the daughter and only child of a couple called Aldarian and Arendis. So Aldarian was her dad and Arendis was her mom. 
Aldarion was a great adventurer and traveler, and he left Numenor on a voyage to Middle-earth when Ancalime was just four years old, and he did not come back for five years. Now, that's the, that's a bad age. You're old enough to remember. Yes, you're old you're enough to remember. you're too young to process it. Exactly. So you just have all these feelings. Yeah. You're not sure what to do with. And uh, in Ancalime's on, on case, she kind of just took all those feelings and put them on sheep. But we'll talk about sheep in a second. Mm-hmm. We will talk about that. No, not in that way. Not like an like an Welshman. No, oh my god. S- whatever. I don't know if we're allowed to make is that is that the stereotype? Wait, is the stereotype about someone? I thought it was Scottish people. Scottish people, New Zealand people, Welsh people, there's all kinds of people. Basically like anybody who is not England. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they probably they probably do it too though. They probably do too. They probably do And by that I mean Who among us uh, can say we haven't ever I mean you guys know what stereotype I'm talking about. You know, like where they they shear them. They, they take care of their sheep, and they're they, like they really nice to them. And they're super nice, and they shear their wool off so it doesn't get uncomfortable, and they make cozy sweaters. What a messed up stereotype! That stereotype. What a bunch of perbs. Unfinished Tales tells us that Eldarion delayed his departure long enough to celebrate his daughter's fourth birthday, which is awfully big of him considering he missed the next five. <laughs> yeah. So here's the quote from Unfinished Tales. He tarried until the birthday of Ancalime and made much of her that day. She laughed and was merry, though others in that house were not so. So imagine how depressing that is. Everybody in the house knows that dad is leaving after this birthday, except Ancalime. She's like, wee, I love my daddy. I'm so glad he's in my life. Oh, dear. Yeah. So, As she went to bed, she said to her father, Where will you take me this summer, Tatanya? I would like to see the white house in the sheep land that Mamil tells of. Aldarion did not answer, and the next day he left the house. Oh, dear. And was gone for some days. When all was ready, he returned and bade Erendis farewell. Next morning, Aldarion hastened away. He lifted up on Kalime and kissed her, but though she clung to him, he set her down quickly and rode off. Oh, man. Real quick, is Titania like daddy? Yeah, it's like daddy. And Mamiel is that mummy? Mamiel is mommy. Titania, okay. Titania and Mamiel. Okay. Yep. So, he took off. I like the fact that he hastened away, so, like, he couldn't wait to get out of there because I'm calling his fourth birthday party was just, like, such a bust. Like, what, what, it was what, so boring. What's the hurry? Where's he gotta be? Middle Earth. Middle Earth. He was an adventurer. Adventuring in his spirit. Childcare, not so much. He's, like, a very long-lived human. Why not wait till his daughter's of age and That's then go? That's kind of, I feel like, dude, you have hundreds of years, but whatever. So, for the five years that followed, Arendis raised her daughter in a white house in Emerie, which is, like, this pastoral isle okay. with lots of sheep. And on this isle, according to Unfinished Tales, the bleeding of sheep was born upon the wind. Okay, what does that mean? I think that means that wherever you go in the aisle, you can just, like, constantly hear, Ah! Meh! Okay, okay. Ma ram you! <laughs> Ma ram you! So, the next five years were so chock full of sheep noises that Ankali May actually had a hard time sleeping without them for the rest of her life. Kind of like when you grow up near, like, a train track or something. Like right? I did, yes. Yeah, I have an easier time sleeping when there are trains passing nearby. So she always had a sheep in the castle. But I, I don't know for a fact... That she did, but it doesn't say she did. I like the picture of walking around with this, like an entourage of sheeps at all times. Yeah, well, I mean, like, sheep were a big uh, part of her life, okay. as we will see. Yeah. So, also during these five years, the only person Ancali May interacted with was basically her mom. So, Arendis would have only servants in her household, and they were all women. So she- All women. So, Arendis was kind of bitter against men. Well, she didn't have him around. Didn't have a good role model, except for the one who bailed on her after her birthday party. Yeah, and Kali May really didn't have good male role models. Um, Arendis, it is said in Unfinished Tales, sought ever to mold her daughter to her own mind and to feed her upon her own bitterness against men. So mom was into it. Right, mom was into it. So I feel like Tolkien is painting this bitterness against men as a bad thing. But if you've ever met a man and you're not at least slightly bitter, did you actually even meet a man? I mean... <laughs> I mean... Am I right, I girls? Mean, Am I right? I'm kidding, man, lol. Not all men, lol. But yeah. All men. So, all men. So, Akali May seldom indeed saw any man. Um, men didn't really come to her house. Uh, very rarely, maybe they'd have a messenger from the king, but they would ride away soon for, as Unfinished Tale says, to men there seemed a chill in the house that put them to flight. And while there, they felt constrained to speak half in a whisper, like, hey, dude. Does this house make your balls feel kind of shriveled? Or is it just me? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, actually. I didn't want to say anything, but yeah. 
Oh, raisins! They're retracting back into my torso! That girl's like an ice queen, dude. So, by the time Ungalime was seven years old, however, she had started leaving the house and running free with the sheep. Um, she would tend the sheep, she would hang out with the shepherdesses, she would eat alongside the sheep under the blue, blue sky. Like, sounds like, this sounds idyllic, man. chick loves some sheep. Sounds kind of nice, though. Yeah, it doesn't sound bad, right? What Ankalime didn't love was boys. Ew, gross, cooties. Well, she hadn't really even met any of them, to be honest, until one day, which is recounted thusly in Unfinished Tales. One day, in the summer of that year, a young boy, but older than Ankalime herself, came to the house on an errand from one of the distant farms, and Ankalime came upon him munching bread and drinking milk in the farm courtyard at the rear of the house. He looked at her without deference and went on drinking. Then he set down his mug. Stare if you must, great eyes, he said. You're a pretty girl, but too thin. Will you eat? He took a loaf out of his bag. Be off, Ibal, cried an old woman coming from the dairy door, and use your long legs or you'll forget the message I gave you for your mother before you get home. No need for a watchdog where you are, Mother Zamin, cried the boy, and with a bark, I don't know why this boy's barking. <laughs> He's a dog. And a shout, maybe he was, He's a golden retriever. He left <laughs> over the gate and went off at a run down the hill. Well, she wouldn't know what a boy was. Maybe he thought, he thought Golden Retriever was a boy. <laughs> he did. He said, a Golden Retriever is a good boy. Oh, that's right. A very, very good boy. What noisy thing was that, said Ankali See, she doesn't May. even know. She doesn't know. A boy, said Zamen. Who is lying to her about the dog. If you, if you know what that is. But how should you? They're breakers and eaters, mostly. That one is ever eating, but not to no purpose. So dogs do. A fine lad his father will find when he comes back. But if that is not soon, he'll scarce know him. I might say that of others. Has the boy then a father too? asked Ankalime. To be sure, said Zamin. Ubar, one of the shepherds of the great lord away south. Then why is the boy's father not at home? Why, because he heard of those venturers and took up with them and went away with your father, the lord Aldarian. But the valor know whither or why. That evening, Ankalime said suddenly to her mother, Is my father also called lord Aldarian? He was, said Arendis, but oh. why do you ask? Her voice was quiet and cool. Ankalime did not answer the question. When will he come back? She said. Do not ask me, said Arendis. I do not know. Never, perhaps. But do not trouble yourself, for you have a mother, and she will not run away while you love her. Ankalime did not speak of her father again. Wow, so she got some, some knowledge dropped on her. She got some knowledge dropped on her, some hatred of men dropped on her. But eventually, Ankalime's dad did decide to show his sorry ass back in Numenor. They said he came back when she was nine. When she was nine, yeah. But because he'd been away for so long, Ankalime didn't know who the hell he was. But for his part, Aldarian didn't seem to have cared that much about his non-existent relationship with his daughter because right after he returned, he was crowned king. Yay. Yay, awesome. Hooray for hereditary rulership. He's done absolutely nothing for Numenor. He's been gone for five years. At this point, Aldarian, who is now Tar-Andalian. Is that what uh, call a king? Aldarian. Yes, that's what they call a king, Tar. Or Ar. Tar is what they called the kings and queens who took more after the, the elvish traditions, mm. who were more the elf friends. Ar was like the native Numenor term. Usually it symbolized that they weren't so cool with the elves. What did Aragorn call himself? Um, king Elisar. Oh, he didn't go like Tar Elisar? No, no, no. That's a Numenor thing. Oh, okay. Numenor's dead. It's gone. But he's, but he's a Numenorian. Numenor's canceled. He's a blood. Numenor's canceled. Okay. All right, so... Tar Aldarian revised the laws of succession, which had previously allowed only men to rule Numenor, so that his daughter could become queen. Mm-hmm. So Al- Ankalime was officially named king's heir when she was 19 years old. Cool. And I still don't really understand why Aldarian changed the laws like that, because it's not like he loved his daughter or had any reason to have particular faith in her because he barely knew her. But maybe it was because she was an only child and he wanted to keep rulership in the family, yeah, right? Yeah, I felt a little bad about bailing up for five years. Maybe, but... Missed some good birthdays there, you know? like Yeah, but if this was his way of trying to make it up to her, he was very misguided. Because actually becoming queen sucked for Ankalime because it meant she had to get married. Oh, and she hates boys. She hates boys. Yeah, because of her lonely upbringing, Ankalime disliked the notion of marriage. Actually... Her mom was, as we said, quite pissed at Eldarian, and she raised Ankalime to hate men. Mm-hmm. Unfinished Tales says, quote, She had a profound dislike of obligatory marriage, and in marriage of any constraint on her will, her mother had spoken unceasingly against men. Yeah, real, real, uh, militant feminist over here. I mean, feminazi much? <laughs> Unfortunately, it was necessary for Ankalime to continue the royal line. 
So she eventually wedded somebody called Halakar of Hyarastorni, and they had a son called Anarian. But their marriage sucked and they became estranged, like, pretty much immediately. I can't really do divorce and you're in royalty, right? Ah, uh, no, not so much. Now, because Arendis had made Ankalime accustomed to the society of women, she was used to a world of cool, quiet, gentle life without interruptions or alarms. No loud girls in this case? Well, I mean, I know a lot of women who aren't particularly cool, gentle, or quiet, but I guess Tolkien didn't or something. Yeah, you can be loud if you're a lady. You can be, you can be, like... You can be hot, loud, and rowdy. Yeah. I mean, that is an option that's open to you. But girl power, I mean, like, Spice Girls hadn't been invented yet. I was going to say, that describes the Spice Girls right there. So Tolkien didn't understand girl power because Spice Girls hadn't been invented. Imagine, like, Mel B and the girls kicking down the door of the castle and being like, Girl power! Let's do this, girls! Yeah. Girl power is when you skip hanging out with men and hang out with your friends instead. Yeah. Girl power. Girl power. That's what feminism all boils down to. I mean, honestly. Anyway, Unfinished Tales says, quote, Boys, like Ebal, shouted. Men rode up blowing horns at strange hours and were fed with great noise. They begot children and left them in the care of women when they were troublesome. And though childbirth had less of ills and peril, Numenor was not an earthly paradise, and the weariness of labor or of all making was not taken away. Okay. Men, am I right? Am I right, girls? Am I right? Like, always shouting and blowing horns at strange hours. Like, Tell me about it. If I had a nickel for every time a man knocked me up and then blew horns outside my house at three in the morning. Men be blowing horns. Men be blowing horns. Despite her crappy marriage, Ankalime enjoyed the longest reign of any of Numenor's rulers since Elros, a.k.a. Elrond's brother, oh. a.k.a. the first ruler of Numenor. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah, so she ruled for a total of 205 years. Like her father, Ankalime, Kalime was really resolute in pursuing her desired policies. She was also obstinate, so whatever counsel she received, she would basically do the exact opposite. Oh, she's got that oppositional defiance. Kind of. She's on. like an eternal teenager, basically. Okay, yeah. Um, she reversed her father's policy of goodwill towards the elves of Middle-earth. <laughs> Whoops. Whoops. And she also had, as we said, something of her mother's coldness and sense of personal injury. Always making yourself the victim. Well, Freaking snowflake. No, it's just kind of a way of saying she was a bit of a petty bish. Okay. Unfinished Tales says, quote, Deep in her heart, almost but not quite forgotten, was the firmness with which Aldarion had unc- clasped her hand and set her down when he was in haste to be gone. Mm -hmm. She loved dearly the downlands of her home and never, as she said in her life, could she sleep at peace far from the sound of sheep. Yeah, she kind of had her whole life defined for right in that moment. Basically from her death. So in summary, men suck, sheep rule, elves can suck it. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's a slogan we can get behind. Right, so Tauron Kalime is kind of a mixed bag. Right. But let's see if the next queen is any better. You know, she's got reasons for her bag to be mixed, though. She does. She does. Like, I can't really say I blame her for she's, any of her behavior. She's a sympathetic character. She is. And anyone who likes sheep, I can't I can't be mad at them. Yes. Now, this next one may be a little bit less. Okay. I mean, they kind of, like, fall off as you go, but... Ooh. All right. So the next queen is Tar Telperion, who ruled for 175 years between 1556 of the Second Age and 1731 of the Second Age. So this is after Ancolome? After Ankalime, okay. yes, this is the second queen. So, Tar Telperion's name could mean silver one, or it could just be a feminine form of Telperion, one of the two trees of Valinor. Okay. She was the tenth ruler of Numenor, and, as we've said, only its second ruling queen. She was the eldest child of King Tarsurian, and became a proud and willful queen. Okay. So, what records we have of her reign state that she refused to wed, and so she died without an heir. Are you oh, sensing a trend here? Oh, yeah, I am. So, Numenor's queens are strong, independent women who don't need no men. Yeah, buddy. Uh, either that, or Tolkien had, like, some implicit assumptions about women in positions of power, She's but... Like a real Queen Elizabeth type character. Yeah, right? kind of, but, like, I can't be that mad, because I'll probably die without an heir, too. Um, not that anyone wants to be an heir to two cats and a bunch of ball-jointed anime dolls, but... Joanna, those are your heirs. Those are... <laughs> oh, you're right, I already have heirs! Two cats and ball-jointed anime dolls! Yeah. Sometimes I like to take them to, well, not the edge of a cliff, because I don't have a cliff, but like, you know, the, the, the couch in our living room, mm-hmm, and then gesture mm-hmm. to everything and say, one day all this will be yours. Everything the light touches. And the cats say, Meow. and the ball-jointed anime dolls say, NANI?! <laughs> Kore? Kore?! Now, during Tar Telperion's rule in Numenor, momentous events took place in Middle-earth. 
So the the rings of power were forged and the War of the Elves and Sauron began, for example. Yeah. And Tar Telperion was involved in precisely none of these events. Just sat out, huh? Yeah. So despite the ancient alliance between the Dúnedain and the Elves, Tar Telperion did not interfere in their business, which was less because she wanted to stay in her lane and more because she just didn't give a crap. Oh, no. Um, Tar Telperion was long-lived even for one of Elros's line and appeared to be reluctant to give up her power. So unlike the rulers of Numenor before her, she did not surrender the scepter to her successor a few years before her death, but instead waited until just prior to it. So, like, literally practically on her deathbed. Tar Telperion ruled Numenor for 175 years and was succeeded by her nephew, the son of her younger brother Isilmo, who ruled as Tar Minastir. Okay. But we don't care about him because we're talking about queens. I don't care about him. Yeah, I'm done. Yes. Now, the the third and last queen of Numenor is Tar Vanamelde, who ruled for 111 years between 2526 of the Second Age and 2637 of the Second Age. After Tar Telperion, there were no further ruling queens for nearly 800 years, you'll notice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Until Tar Vanamelda succeeded her father, Tar Telemite. Now, if you thought Tar Telperion didn't give a crap, Tar Vel, uh, sorry, Tar Vanamelda gave negative craps. That so bad, huh? Her rule actively obliterated craps from the universe and sent them into a parallel dimension where ungiven craps languish in purgatory forever. What's she got against craps? Well, she just doesn't give them. It's not that she hates them. She just personally, on a personal level, she doesn't give them. Well, that's like the most hate you can give, right? It's just being like... just. Well, the opposite of love isn't hate. It's indifference. Yeah. She was, yeah. I guess we can say, indifferent to craps. Yeah. Yeah. So she had very little concern for the business of ruling her kingdom. And so basically her husband, Herukalmo, kind of acted as regent during her reign. What was she doing all day? Well, I'll tell you, she was dancing. What? Really? Yeah. So when you ask what was so much more important to Tarvanamelda than the duties of governance, the answer is a single word, music. Oh, she's, she's a songbird. She likes, she's got that music in her heart. Yeah, Tar Vanamelde vastly preferred music and dancing to ruling, and she basically stomped the yard for all 111 years of her reign. So again, this is really great female representation, right? Um, But if he was going to have every female ruler be terrible, at least Tolkien made them all terrible in different ways. And also, to be fair, the male rulers of Numenor kind of sucked too. Um, Okay. Any of her jams exist after Numenor sank? I wish. Oh. God, I wish. It'd be cool if they kind of lived on. I feel like she'd probably listen to Daddy Yankee. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Gasolina. Yeah, yeah. It was one of her favorite jams. I oh, think she's into like club music. Though. To be fair, every time I hear Gasolina, I do want to dance for 111 years. Mm, okay. You know? Don't you? <laughs> sure. By the way, Ryan. Yeah. There was supposed to be a fourth queen of Numenor, Tarmiriel. Okay. Um, she was the only child of King Tar Palantir, the 24th king of Numenor. Whoa, 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 whoa. His name is Palantir? Far-seeing. Yeah. He's named after the orb that sees stuff? Yeah, sure. I oh. mean, just it just means far-seeing. Did he right? invent the Palantir? No, he did not invent <laughs> the Palantir. Named after himself? <laughs> no, he did not. That would be stupid. That would be like if you invented a crystal ball and called it the Ryan. Well, how do you- That like, would be stupid. Which is stupider, a crystal ball called the Ryan or a person named Crystal Ball? His name is not Crystal Ball. His name is Farseeing. His name is Crystal Ball. No, his name is not Crystal Ball. King Crystal Ball. At least in his case, the thing that was named after him would would make sense in terms of its function, Farseeing. If you named a Crystal Ball Ryan, it would just mean Little King, and it would be stupid. If you named a human Crystal Ball, it would also be stupid. It would be stupid. But his name was not Crystal Ball. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, um, Tar Palantir was the 24th king of Numenor, so Tar Muriel was the third queen. Um, so, well, she would have been. Yeah, Sorry, she would have been. Sorry, Tarmiriel would have been the fourth queen. However, Tarmiriel's cousin, Arpharazon, snatched the crown from her and made himself a king. It's and like, that's a real evil sounding name. Arpharazon, well, it, it actually is very fitting because Arpharazon was the king who A, brought Sauron to Numenor, yep. B, sailed to Valinor to fight the gods, mm. and C, caused Numenor to sink into the ocean. You got an evil name, you got an evil action. Yes. Yeah. So maybe the real lesson here is that the queens of Numenor suck, but the kings of Numenor actually suck harder. 
Now, when Numenor sank, it is said that Tarmiriel strove to reach the sacred peak of Meneltarma before the inundation of the island, but unfortunately, the great wave swept her away from the steep side of the holy mountain, and she drowned. Aww. And that was the end of both the queens of Numenor and, indeed, of Numenor itself. Kind of a poetic end. Kind of, right? Kind <laughs> of. For all we know, Tarmiriel might have been the one queen who didn't suck. Yeah, you think she would have been good? She, she might have been good. She would have been, like, stomping the yard or, or hanging out with sheep. I mean, she was an elf. Nothing. She was an elf friend. And in the context of Tolkien, that means you're a good person. Okay, so, okay. You know? Anyway, Ryan. Now, that's quite a girl group there. That is quite a girl group. That's, I mean, you say it's for Women's History Month. I mean, that's some women. That's some history. Maybe not great role models, though. Well, no. But, you know, to be a woman who has an impact on history, you don't necessarily have to be a great role model. True enough. Same can be said for men, anyway. Men such as Dash Rendor or Prince Skizor? Yeah, so yeah, we're going to finish up Shadows of the Empire today for my segment. Thank you, by the way, for teaching me about Queens of, of Numenor. That's interesting. I like how there's some, some stories and some dialogue and stuff. That was cool. Yeah, well, read Unfinished Tales. It has all kinds of stuff like that. I it's enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, so Shadows of the Empire. Again, if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, you're going to be completely lost. This is the 1996 book that takes place in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi and was a multimedia phenomenon briefly as they were trying to test the waters for the special edition movies to come out. And this is the novel novel of it. Let's see let's see how many words I need to summarize this story, okay? Okay. Prince Skizor, pervert. Yep. Nash Rendar, jerk. Okay. Black Sun, Gus Spring. Yeah, yeah. Luke, captured. Yeah. Leia, about to be assaulted. So how many words was that? That was 18 words. That's pretty good. Not I too mean, bad, right? I mean, honestly, I wish the book had been that short. It basically tells you everything you need to know up till this point. Yeah, so starting with that first two words of your description, skis or a pervert. We last left off with some gross paragraphs of him working his pheromones on Princess Leia as she arrives at his palace. Also talking about how he wants her nudes. He wants to scope her nudes. Real, real good stuff. Real... Good stuff for a fifth grader to read. And so he told Leia to go to your room. She's still dressed as that bounty hunter costume she's dressed in. Yes. In Return of the Jedi. One thing you'll realize is that a large chunk of this book is describing how everyone got their costumes from Return of the Jedi. (laughs) 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 To justify these things, you know? There's more than just that. More than just the uh, the boosh bounty hunter suit. But uh, I feel like there are times when people are like, oh man, I have to like really make this fit the canon. It's like... You don't have to try that hard. I had a friend once who had a journal. Yeah. And his mom had bought him this journal because he played the saxophone in the middle school band. Okay. Yeah. So the front of the journal had like a saxophone lying on some flowers on a table, right? It was like this artistic painting. He wrote a story in this journal and at one point he looked at the cover of the journal and decided he needed to include the sentence. (laughs) She realized she had left her saxophone on the table with some flowers. (laughs) Had nothing to do with the story. Uh, I feel like this costume thing is like the same level of futility. Like you do not need to explain that. Difference hard. being, this is written by an adult man. That was written by a middle schooler. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, he was definitely like twelve at the time. But so anyway, Leia leaves Ezor's uh, throne room, and she kind of shakes herself out of that pheromone fog, and she's like, "What the hell is that? Like, why do I think he was so hot for some reason?" And she's like, "I still love Hans. What am I doing here? It's like, so silly. Why am I acting like this? Huh? That's so weird." Her closet is full of clothes that mysteriously are all in her exact size. Oh, wow. Did he, like, eyeball that from the videos? Uh, yeah. But she decides maybe using the clothes to her advantage to get on Caesar's good side would be good. So she chooses this translucent green dress, but she wears a black bodysuit underneath it. She doesn't want to show Caesar that much. Yeah. I mean, it's too late, sis. He's already, like, seen you. I mean, he's he's seen, he's pictured you. I mean, you know his palace. I mean, we, we know this as, as readers. We know his palace is full of creep cams. Yes. And he's definitely watching her change clothes. Oh, like, like, almost certainly. Chewie, who has cleaned off his black paint, gives her a look like, really? You're going to dress up like that? Like, my, girl, my, really? My bro's in carbonate and you're going to dress like this? My, I I have a flat top haircut and you're going to dress like this? You're dressing like this? You're, you're fooling around with my boys in carbonate? And she's like, relax. I'm only trying to manipulate Zizor. It's none of your business. Ugh. I mean, in fairness, like, it really isn't. To be fair. Chewie. It really isn't. He's just trying to stand up for his buddy who can't be there to speak for himself. I guess I understand. You know, they're buds. Life life debt, you know. Life debt also means eternal wingman. And so that's Oh, is that what life debt means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she goes back to Zizor's chamber. What's he wearing when they meet up? Ready for a paragraph? Uh uh, he is wearing a sequin ball gown. I wish. That'd be awesome. <laughs> what is he wearing? The clothing could have been made by the same designer who had done her dress, and he wasn't wearing a bodysuit under it. He was big under the thin cloth, hard and muscular, and if mm. there were any visible anatomical differences between him and basic stock humans, she couldn't see them. 
He was so hard. Like under that thin gross. cloth, like that thin cloth, you can tell he's hard. Like a homeboy man, is hard. A man in like a, a slightly transparent kimono showing off his pecs or whatever. Like the fact that she can look at it and tell that he is built like a standard human underneath means it's not enough clothes. Not enough. Like I'm basically imagining one time my friend's little brother when he was like six, yeah. he cut two holes in the bottom of like a Kroger bag and he wore it as overalls <laughs> or something underneath. I'm imagining like that level of translucence, like absolutely nothing to the imagination. Here's the next paragraph. It, he cut two holes in the CVS bag uh, <laughs> and his legs sticking out the bottom and the handles over his shoulders. The other thing was these were like the loudest overalls ever made. <laughs> crinkly, crinkly, he like crinkly. woke us up running around the living room. Unbelievable. So Zizer offers Leia alcohol and she wisely refuses. Dude is still pumping out pheromones like crazy though, and Leia's getting all hot under the collar while talking to him. And she's like, I wish I had worn this black bodysuit under this dress. She realizes pretty quickly something's going on. Like, why am I having these thoughts about Zizor? Why am I wishing I wore fewer clothes yeah. around this kimono weirdo? And she's already trying to think of ways to escape, but then Zizor kisses her. Ugh. And it's described as delicious, Ugh. amazing. Ugh. She drank him in, enraptured by his touch. But then he breaks away. This is wrong. We came here to discuss Luke, she says. In due course, says Zizor. We have more important things to do first. He reaches to unclasp her dress. <gasps> when bang, 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 bang on the door. Is it Chewie? Yeah. Oh, man. He is like an excellent wingman for to both of them. I know. Really. I know. He's really just good to have a bodyguard, you know. Zizor allows her to go into the hall with him. And he's like, you know, don't take too long, Leia. And she sees that Chewie has knocked out all the guards in the hallway and also taken out all the cameras. Wow! And Leia puts it together that, oh, Zizor is a huge creep. He's doing some gross seduction nonsense on me. And he's probably the one behind Luke's assassination attempts as well. And so they decide to hatch a plan. Okay. Okay. Leia returns to Zizor, but now she can resist the pheromone somehow. Like her willpower is strong enough to, to overcome it. I don't know. She got immune or something? I think it might be like, I think they're kind of, it kind of implies like the force helping oh, her okay. out. Okay. Well, she is force sensitive. Right. So. She acts like she's following his commands, but it's all just a clever She's like, oh, yeah, gosh. Pretty I'm much. so hot right now. You are very sexy in that see-through kimono. So she, he demands, like, take off your clothes. And she takes off her shoes. And she says, more of it. And she takes off her dress with the bodysuit still underneath. Now the rest, says Zizor. And she's like, I don't think so. Zizor pulls her close and he pumps out a ton of pheromones trying to kiss her. But she knees him in the dick. Now, first of all, very good. Yeah. Very good. I mean... Very, very good. A second of all, what does it look like when he's pumping out pheromones? Is it literally coming off him like a spray? Like, psh, I don't think psh, he's... Psh. Now, it does describe Caesar. He's green. Is he, like, sweating it out? I think it just kind of comes out of his pores. I don't think it's visible. But they describe him, too, like he changes colors. Like, he's green most of the time. But when he gets all riled up, he starts turns like, reddish and orangish. She's like a chameleon. If a chameleon was using camouflage, not to hide itself from predators, but just to show that it was horned. Exactly. Okay. So he's all red and, and hot in the face. But... Leia needs him in the dick. He reacts super quickly because he's like super cool, of course. Yeah. He kind of takes a step back and does a smug little, <laughs> so I see you've learned my secret. This is the problem with strong women. Gurry, get in here! And he calls her in the room. Whoa, 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 whoa. He can't be that precisely anatomically similar to a human if that was his only reaction. I guess. So he didn't go like, ooh, achi machi. No? No, he didn't. Little oh, Zizor got hurt. So then he's not. Um, Guri, if you remember, is his assassin droid. Oh, I love her. Guri's my favorite character. Guri's pretty cool. Yeah. She takes Leia away and locks her up. Zizor gets reports that Chewie has escaped, but no matter, it was part of his plan all along to let him escape. Like, oh, was it? I guess. because he, He's uh, making that up. He's like, well, Chewie's gonna call Luke, and Luke's gonna come to me, and then I'll kill Luke. It's the perfect plan. I'll bet it was also his plan to get me in the junk. I'm sure it was. Have you seen that one tweet? I think it's a tweet by that guy, Drill. Drill, yeah. But it's like, all you guys who are into getting neat in the junk are crazy. That stuff sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Zizor does not have that opinion. He's like, aha, it's part of my plan. <laughs> that was my fetish. Well, sure enough, Luke gets Chewie's call, and he wants to go to Coruscant immediately. Luke, if you remember, is with Lando, who just helped him escape from the bounty hunters who are keeping him as as a prize for either the Black Sun or for the Empire, who wanted both wanted him. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they're, they're kind of auctioning him off to the highest bidder, right. right? They're both on the Millennium Falcon together, and they sneak onto Coruscant by hiding beneath a much larger freighter so they don't get pinged in the scanners. Zizor takes a bath and has a drink. Guri brings in a hollow projector, and it's the Emperor saying he's leaving Coruscant to inspect a certain construction project out in space. Oh, Ooh. could it be 
Lestar de death, as the French would Lestar say. De Lestar de death. Lestar de death. Would it even like the Lestar de mort? Lestar. What's look, the star? What's star in French? Look it up. Etoile de l'amour. Ready, ready. Etoile de l'amour. I'm going to work on my Etoile de l'amour. <laughs> Emperor Palpatine. Yep. Yeah. And he's like, oh, by the way, are you trying to kill Luke Skywalker? And he's just like, no, 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 no. Of course not. No. No. That's so what? No. no. Come on. Jeez. Like Mark Wahlberg and the happening. What? what? No. no. So Emperor says, okay, we'll talk about this when I get home. Gross paragraph incoming. You ready? Oh, no, I'm not ready, but you're going to read it anyway, so... Guri bent, picked up the comlink, and left. As he watched her walk away, Zizor briefly considered telling her to disrobe and join him in the water. He had made her do that a few times when he wanted company he could trust absolutely, and she had demonstrated to his satisfaction that she could pass for a human in virtual every way during those times. But no, he was saving his energy for Leia. She would learn to see him in a better light. He knew he could wait. Patience was one of his ultimate virtues. If you have patience, why don't you have the patience to seduce a woman the old-fashioned way by being, like, an interesting guy with uh, redeeming characteristics that a woman might find attractive? Or you could just screw your droid. You know, that's a good or you could just screw your robot! Yeah. She, she you bought her for that purpose, it seems like. Should I f- screw my robot? No, I have more patience. I, I have to wait. Should I have sex with my robot? No, 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 no. no patience no, no, is no. a virtue. Patience is one of my best virtues. Now on Coruscant, Lando and Luke steal the uniforms of stormtroopers who are in charge of checking the refreshers. Those are what Star Wars calls bathrooms. So basically like the bathroom attendant stormtroopers. They, they, they like knock them out and steal their suits. I'm sorry, wait. First of all, there are bathroom attendant stormtroopers. Yeah. Second of all, refreshers? Yeah, because you get refreshed. I mean, bathroom is already a, uh, what do you call it, euphemism. Yeah. Why Why are we taking it one step further in euphemism territory? I don't, because it's Star Wars, Wars doing that. I don't know. Sorry, I gotta go refresh. You feel refreshed? Yeah, actually. Good, good. Actually, yeah. Um, wh- what is going down in bathrooms that you need armored stormtroopers as I think, bathroom attendants? I don't know. If, I, I don't know. I, I imagine they're the kind of the guy who stands there next to like where you wash your hands. And he like hands you a mint or whatever. Yeah, and you like, put a dollar and. But I mean, like if it's a stormtrooper, you're definitely going to put more than a dollar. You're going to put a, put a few credits in his hand, yeah, just to like yeah. keep him from shooting you while you're peeing, right? So anyway, they not uh, peeing, refreshing, refreshing. Excuse me, the more sophisticated, term. sophisticated sci-fi term. Yes, it's refreshing. So. You remember that flower shop where Leia went where there was the Hodin? Yeah. Okay, well, Lando knows that guy, too, for some reason. And so they go there. Lando knows everyone. That's just kind of, he's like, that's like the ultimate, like, uh, like, ass pull of all these stories that Lando just knows everyone. He knows everybody. So he goes to find Spiro's flower shop with Luke, and they find Chewie there. And Chewie tells him he's tied up Spiro in the back. Cool. Because <laughs> Chewie's, like, super paranoid right now. Then some black sun dudes start firing on the flower okay. shop from outside, and the boys are cornered. As they try to escape out the back, they hear screams and blaster fire from their assailants. And what's going on? Who's shooting at them? Can you guess? Oh my god, I bet it's a uh, relaxed fit. Dash the man Rendar. Howdy, boys. Having a little trouble? He spun his blaster on his forefinger and blew across the end of the barrel. It made a slight hooting noise. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a picture of him doing it. That's him? Yeah, that's, that's him. Okay, so I'll, I'll describe it. Um, I'll post this picture. So, so he's wearing his relaxed fit jeans tucked into knee-high boots. Some shoulder guards, a a bandolier, I think, of some kind. His gun is, for some reason, attached by an old-fashioned telephone cord to his belt. Yeah. And um, he has one leg slightly lifted, like he's being swept off his feet and kissed. And he is apparently going, hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. When you blow the end of a gun. Hoot. It's a hoot noise. Hoot. I don't go hoot. When I, I mean, I've never well, blown another gun, but I wouldn't go hoot. That's the sound effect the gun makes. So it goes, hoot. It goes, hoot. It kind of makes a hoot noise when you blow I'm it. able to blow without going hoot. No, not you hooting. It's the gun that's hooting. So you know, like when the gun air- is hooting. You know. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Ryan is very annoyed that I don't understand what's hooting in this scene. Okay, you know, like when the what cow- is hooting? You know, like when the cowboys hoot. No, I don't. No, not the. Okay, the cowboys are the ones hooting. So pretend I'm Dash Rendar here. Yeah. Spin my gun on my finger. Ryan has got. <laughs> Ryan has got a wine bottle. That sound. Do it again. It's not a hoot. Well. Whatever. Like, it's like a who, who, who. That's pretty close to a who. So we would no, say, because it's a go. T-. So we would say like it made a slight like, noise. <laughs> Just 
don't mention the noise. <laughs> I mean, we all know what it's going to sound like. like. I feel like he blew the smoke, you know, from the barrel of his gun or something. You don't have to say he made a looting noise. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just we like, all know what it sounds like. We've all seen cowboy movies. Yeah, come on. So da- they're like, what are, you trying to- what are you doing here, Dash? What's going on? He's like, something to prove, I guess. I felt pretty bad for that disaster Luke and I went through. So I remember he- He tr- felt pretty bad. He was like traumatized. He had like PTSD. You remember he accidentally got some Bothans killed because he couldn't fire on the ship that was killing them. Yeah, and he's all like in denial and stuff and he was freaking yeah. out. And- Not something I'm used to making mistakes, but I figure you crash your ship, you better climb into the next one you see and get it back in the air. That's what I say whenever I accidentally kill someone. Too much time goes by and you don't, you get afraid to fly. Yeah, you, you know, you, what do you do when you fall off the horse? You get right back on what do you do when you kill people you get right back on to doing things that might result in killing people <laughs> you know i screwed it up and i'm still not over that you can only sit and bubble in your own juices for so long I work- like a day <laughs> that's like how long he felt bad i work for money but i figure i owe the empire a little something when chewie called i decided it was time to pay the empire back mm-hmm. hoot <laughs> Next line we get after that cool monologue by Dash. You must breakfast with me, says Zizor. Zizor's <laughs> such a dork. He's such a dork, right? He's like, oh, you know, I got some people killed, but now I'm on a revenge mission. Blah, blah, blah. Zizor's like, breakfast! <laughs> breakfast is served. Leia's back in her bounty hunter costume. She says, no way she's wearing that see-through dress again around this creep. He tells Zizor to piss off. And he tells her, you'll basically bait for Luke anyway, so, you know. That's not even true. He's fronting. I know. But she's like. Men be like that, though. It's like when you're on, on Tinder, and they're like, want to do it? And you're like, no. And they're like, you're ugly and fat anyway. That's basically what he's doing. Yeah, whatever. I never liked you anyway. There's a bunch of pages of Zizor meeting with his various business partners and underlings, and it goes nowhere and merely exists to show he has lots of people who think he's cool and are afraid of him. Well, I mean, that's been like half this book. I know. This is like like five pages in a row of him just talking to all these various people. Who cares? Showing all, all the fingers and all the pies he's got. And it's like, come on. Dash takes the boys to a secret hideout on Coruscant. Luke uses the force to reach out to Leia. He's ditched the Stormtrooper costume for clothes that Dash gave him. Black, simple, and exactly what he's wearing in Return of the Jedi. Oh, so he got those. Those are Dash's clothes. Wow, Dash is pretty stylish. I have to say, like, when I rewatched those movies as, like, a teen, yeah. like a hormonal teen, and Luke showed up in black clothes, I was like, no. Nice. Yeah, I, th- I think Jedi Luke looks awesome. It's looks a great, pretty cool. It's a cool suit. So Luke tells Leia with her with his mind that they're on the way. Vader is also on Coruscant, and he feels his kids talking via the Force, and he tries to butt in, but he's blocked for some reason. <laughs> what they put like a, like they put like parental control on his I don't Force. Know, I don't know why, but it made powers. me laugh. Like the next line it says is Vader frowned. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's just really Imagine him trying to like log into their chat and it's like you've been banned from this chat and he's like oh It just reminds me of like QAnon people being kicked out of people other other family Thanksgiving or whatever it's like <laughs> my kids kick me can't even talk to me anymore you don't touch me anymore because they're all liberal cocks <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh Anyway Dash's cool plan for busting into Zizor's castles through the sewer pipes Okay like a bunch of ninja turtles Yeah you know that's what you do Next bit is these are eating a super rare fruit. Great use of pages, Steve. <laughs> Steve Perry. Oh, well, hello. I'm afraid you've caught me while I'm indulging in dragon fruit. A rare fruit. Mm, it's like so... Care for a slice of rare durian? And again, it's just to show, show how cool and in control he is and how he, he savors these fine things. He has patience. This fruit grew for a hundred years and I'm eating it. And it's like, shut up. Like, My God, you are not as cool as you think you are. Vader finally says, okay, I'm going to confront Zizor because he's, he's probably feeling really grumpy after being shut out of his kid's Thanksgiving for his beliefs. So he calls him up and tells him point blank, you're, you're trying to kill Luke, so, so stop it, dick. And Zizor's like, hmm, what's that? You want me to stop trying to harm a rebel agent? I thought that was Imperial Protocol. And by your logic, and just trying to be all cool about it, turning back on Well, him. I choose I choose logic. It's basically. And Vader's yeah. like, for real, dude, stop being a dick. If you kill Luke, you're dead dog. Click. Zizor's actually ruffled by this a little bit, but only a little because he's super cool. Yeah. Like, right. oh, I'm going to be dead. My goodness, I don't want to be dead. I just hate the whole, like, oh, actually, uh, like, coming back at him, like, you want me to not kill him? Oh, I thought that's what you wanted. Oh. Yeah, but that probably seemed cool to you when you were in, like, fifth grade. Oh, definitely. Because you were actually a kid. I was actually a kid. You were very much, like, actually. actually. Semantics. Actually, the Stegosaurus' plates were used for cooling, not self-defense. I'm a kid pennant. So anyway, the boys are in the sewer, and three guesses what they find there. Um, Michelangelo, Raphael, Leonardo. Three wrong guesses. They find a Dianaga. 
the trash monsters. Yep, Luke murders it in like two paragraphs of after it appears with his lightsaber. They get up to the sub-sub-basement of Zizor's castle, but then there's guards and lasers and pew 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 pew! Here's a picture of they painted of Dash shooting a guy in the head. He looks like dumber than ever in that picture. Because first of all, like, he's got... His, okay, so he's wearing, like, a onesie. Like, it's a whole, like, It's the same onesie. costume before. It's just a different angle. No, because no, no, it's no, not no. relaxed fit. No, the jeans are relaxed. He's just okay, well, what I didn't realize is that all the pads... So he has padding in, like, a stripe down the very center <laughs> of his torso, so it's protecting his happy trail. Yeah. He also has padding, like, running up the inside of his legs, like, up his thighs and over his crotch. Yeah. So, like, outside of his legs... Outside of his torso, where, like, a lot of important organs are, like, who cares? He's not even wearing sleeves on his arms. So, like, all he cares about is his happy trail on the insides of his thighs. What's more important than that, baby? That's Dash. Zizor gets noticed as his guards are getting their butts kicked and gets all excited because he's like, Oh boy, Luke is here, finally. And he sends Guri to get Leia. But Leia senses her coming and whacks her with the helmet that she's wearing as she enters. And it gives her a moment to make a run for it. Guri's not knocked out. She's just kind of... Well, she can't be knocked out. She's a robot. She's a super strong uh, murder droid, so she's fine. This whole time, C-3PO and R2-D2 are on the Millennium Falcon trying to outrun the Black Sun and Imperial forces by flying around Coruscant. R2 manages to crash with some billboards and stuff. Of course he does. It's pretty funny. Uh, Luke tells him to meet at his coordinates when he gives the signal. Then the boys turn a corner and find Leia. And Leia's joined the party. Leia has joined the party. Zizor figures out the rebels are heading up his castle rather than back out the entrance. He and Guri go up to level 20 and wait for them, which conveniently is right when our heroes arrive at level 20. Oh, hey! Zizor starts firing with his amazingly perfect aim. It describes how cool he is shooting, just like perfectly squeezing the trigger without sweating at all. Guri throws a chair. (laughs) A bunch of guards show up and chase the crew into one of Zizor's offices. Dash gives Luke, Lando, and Leia a thermal detonator each. Okay. Well, it's cool that he had, like, multiple of those. Thermal detonators. Again, that's, like, the super strong bomb. It's like a grenade. But it's, like, extremely dangerous. More it's like dangerous a little mini hydrogen bomb. Exactly. Luke steps into the hall with the detonator's dead man switch activated. So the whole idea is, like, if I die, this is going off kind of thing. Oh, that's what a dead man switch is. So you hold your thumb over it, right? It's good that fifth graders can learn these things. Yeah. Zizor tells his boys to back off. Zizor figures if the detonator goes off, it'll collapse the building and support beams in the process. So we know that thermal detonators do melt steel beams at this point. Um, but planes don't. How do you know the plane wasn't full of thermal detonators? Oh my god. Muhammad thermal Atta- detonators did 9-11. Muhammad Atta stocked up on thermal detonators. That was smart. It was good. That was very smart. I mean, not good. I mean, we, 9-11. That was, that was very terrible. Ne- never forget. Caesar has no choice but to let them go. But then Lando strolls out of the office with the thermal detonator and dumps it down a garbage chute. <laughs> okay! <laughs> and with a, sp- with a five-minute time Take on, this garbage! Dr. Caesar's like, okay, fine, back up, back up, back up. And like, well, actually, I'm going to toss this down the garbage. <laughs> and so, <laughs> with a five-minute timer, and Caesar's boys panic and our heroes run away. Alarms are going off. Everyone in the building is rushing for the turbo lifts. It is madness. And Dash observes, must be quitting time. Oh, get your cool music. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Love it. On the way out, Guri confronts Luke, and she says, My master pits himself against the deadliest opponents he can find. There is no man who is equal in my hand-to-hand combat, except perhaps, if the stories are true, a Jedi Knight. The building's gonna blow up in three minutes, and Guri's like, fight me, bro. Well, cool. I mean, she didn't care. She and Luke what? decides this is a good idea. So they tussle, but Luke manages to knock her down after using his force reflexes. No lightsabers, no weapons, just fists. I like that. Guri tells him he's won. And he can kill her. It's no big. I don't mind. Like, I'm fine. Just a droid. He can kill me. But Luke's like, no, no, no. Come along with us. I'll reprogram your deadly instincts. Like, you can be part of our team. And Gary's like, nah, there's no change in me. I'm like this forever. And Luke's like, all right, fine. And he runs off three, join his buds. Would you want to if you were a droid and it was like your basic like personality and who you were and somebody was like, it's okay, I'll just, you can come with us. All you have to do is change everything about you. No, he just wants to take out the assassin bits. But that's basically what she is. I know. Is there much more to her? It's kind of intertwined with who she is, right? So he leaves Guri behind. Millennium Falcon shows up and everyone gets on board with like 30 seconds to go. And they jump out the window and dive into the Millennium Falcon. And the tower blows up. The building explodes. Dash calls up Lebo, who pretends not to know who he is. Again, Lebo is his co-pilot droid. Right. And Lebo's like, sorry, who is this? Wrong number. And he's like, Lebo. Everybody hates Dash. <laughs> says, Lebo, bring the Outrider into space. We're going to fly together. Before the castle exploded, Zizor is able to escape in his private ship, the Virago, and he flies to his skyhook. And the skyhook is like this cloud city type thing that floats in space above Coruscant and is connected to the ground by like a cable. 
It's kind of like in the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah. It's like a space elevator kind not of thing. Not as good as the Sky House, though. No, not as good as the Sky House, but the Sky My Sky House! My Sky House! So he flies to his Sky Hook where his personal navy is waiting. He has his own private navy of, of fighter ships. Yeah. Vader gets word of this going on. He decides to go kill Zizor in space. Sounds fun, right? Cool, yeah. I mean, like, finally. Time to decide, like, who Daddy's favorite's really gonna be. Right. And it's so, the one that's alive. So now we got the Millennium Falcon flying into space. We got the Outrider right next to it. And Dash, get this, he puts on a spacesuit and jumps out of the Millennium Falcon into the Outrider! Absolute madman! <laughs> and this is the exact moment that Zizor ships open fire. And he's just right into the battle, right then. And then Wedge and Rogue Squadron show up, then Vader and his TIE Fighters show up, and there's so many spaceships all shooting at each other, and it's very complex. It's really exciting stuff. <laughs> then Vader decides to end it by firing the Executor, like the big Super Star Destroyer's cannons, at Zizor Skyhook. And boom! It's vaporized. Boom! That's it. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. Wait, that's the end? There's still a bunch of Imperial ships out there, though, so what are they going to do? I don't know. Heads up, boys. Follow me, says Dash. Luke blinked. Huh? Somebody's opened up an escape hatch. They're still being closed in on by all the TIE fighters and stuff. And Luke's like, are you crazy? We can't fly through the wreckage. So Dash is like, we don't have a choice. There are ships everywhere. What's the matter, kid? Don't think you can do it? If my droid can do it, you can do it. Go! And they all fly through the wreckage. Yeehaw! Somebody in Rogue Squadron yelled. Luke laughed. He knew just how they felt. They headed for... <laughs> I know just what it's like to feel yeehaw. They headed for the debris, and it looked as if it was going to be just fine. The good guys had triumphed. Look out, Dash! Lando yelled. Oh no. Luke could hardly spare a glance, but he did. Just in time to see a block of shattered skyhook zero in on the Outrider. Dash! Luke yelled. There was a flare of light too bright to look at. Luke turned away and saw Lando throw one arm up to block the glare. When the light faded, the Outrider had vanished. Oh no! Oh man, Lando said. He's, he's gone. Just like that. <laughs> the sweet taste of triumph went bitter in Luke's mouth. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Amanda died. <laughs> I just had to think of a reason why it wasn't in the later movies, despite being so important. So the way he has to die in the very last scene. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a minute. But so they made it through, <laughs> and they get out of there safely. Minus one hero. <laughs> he just straight up ate shit. Yep. <laughs> Bye, Dash. Bye, hey, Dash. F. Press F for respects. <laughs> On the way out, Wedge tells Luke he has a message from the Bothans. For Dash. <gasps> so it turns out that ship that was carrying the Death Star plans that blew up all those Bothans? It had the Empire's prototype superplating. One of those diamond boron armored jobs. Dash didn't miss. Nothing he could have thrown at it would have stopped it. And the Bothans wanted him to know. He didn't know. And he he never, died not knowing. He died thinking that he was uh, a murderer of Bothans, but no. Dash can't come to the phone right now. Why? Because he's dead! What are you going to do now? Wedge asked. Going to get Han, Luke said. If he isn't on Tatooine yet, he soon will be. Going to dance into the Hut's guarded palace and get him, just like that? Wedge said. I have a plan, said Luke. The end. Wait. Is this this is part of a series? I mean, it's part of a series called Star Wars, Joanna. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. There's, like, these movies. This movie, like, yeah, the... the sequel to Shadows of the Empire is called Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, uh... That's Shadows of the Empire. That was out of control. So, how does your impression of it now compare to your impression of it as a child? As a child, I thought it ruled because I had the toys, I had the video game, I had some of the comic books. Yeah! And I read the book, and I was like, this is rules, like, this is fun, I like it. It's cool to know, like, what happened in between these two movies. As an adult, you realize, like, the two major characters introduced both are killed off at the end. Yeah. These are blew up in the skyhook. Right! Dash is blown up by the Skyhook pieces. But they had to. He cut like, Steve Perry kind of, like, put artificial constraints on himself. Yeah. He couldn't embrace this new timeline he created with open arms. <laughs> he had, you know, they had to go their separate ways. I already used separate ways. Shoot. A couple episodes ago. Shoot. That's okay. Damn. Don't worry about it. We'll, ah. we'll pretend I didn't. Now, in honor of Dash, uh, I had some time during the week, so I already did all the prep for this episode last week. And I made, I did, I made a song about Dash. Wait. Did, Actually, are I, you going to sing it? No, I'm going to play it. Uh, I did sing it. Keep in mind, I'm not a singer, and I am. Uh, I did one take so. <laughs> for each part. There's multiple parts here. So, you want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear it. I had, I had actually two songs I was gonna make, and uh, here's one of them. 
Dash Red door Cool guy for hire What do you mean, Dash Rendar approaching? No, seriously, who is that? Never mind. Guri, bring me Leia. I need a hologram of her for my body pillow. Dash Rendar! Rendar's alive? Dash Rendar! Cool guy for hire! Dash the man with the man's courage. Whoa, he's cooler than Han, and he can never miss. Well, okay, maybe once he got some bobbins killed. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I'm gonna say so. I, I'm I'm a huge uh, Freddie Mercury fan. Yeah. And uh, if Freddie Mercury were alive today, yeah, I think he would scrap his version and put that on the album. The Dash. Yeah. I think he definitely put it on the Flash Gordon soundtrack. I think he. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be pretty weird how like you know in the Flash Gordon movie just in the middle of it they have this song about Dash Rendar, a character from the expanded universe Star Wars novels that wouldn't even come out for you know many years later. But yeah. Now one last thing. I just played that rendition to Dash that musical homage to the fallen hero good night sweet prince but that was not quite the end for old dash rendar Ooh, huh? turns out dashy didn't die oh my god are you serious dashy never say die he did not die he faked his death according to extended universe sources how do you fake that um it doesn't, How do you fake getting um, hit by like a, a space hook house or whatever and 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 disintegrated? Here's what Wikipedia says: When the Skyhook was destroyed, Rendar spotted a way out of the battle through the debris and led away to safety. That was in the book. However, despite helping to rescue everyone, Rendar still had no intention of formally siding with the Alliance and was eager to avoid retribution from the Black Sun for his part in Zizor's downfall. He saw his opportunity to escape as a large chunk of debris drifted into the path of the Outrider. At the very last moment before colliding, Rendar took the Outrider into hyperspace, leading those aboard the Millennium Falcon to believe he'd been killed on impact. That flash of light? Actually hyperdrive. I think that's Boror. I think that's Boror. Um, I think his ass is dead. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you played the Shadows... Avoid reprisals, you mean avoid responsibility for any of his actions, although that does sound like him. If you played the Shadows of the Empire video game, if you beat... If you got, like, the special ending after destroying the Skyhook, is like, Dash Rendar being like, Woo, I can't believe we faked that one, Lebo. Woo! That was a close one! But it gets better, because... A little while later, in 4 ABY, after the Battle of Endor, uh, Dash was off on the planet Herd's Moon uh, when he ran into a mysterious individual from his past, Guri. Oh, Guri? Okay, see, that one I really care about. Guri did not get exploded either in the tower when good. it blew up. Good! Uh, you can't keep a good Guri down. She was traveling to Herd's Moon to get her assassin programming purged. The procedure was a success, and she met up with old Dashy, and they formed a mercenary duo. Oh. They teamed up. Wait a minute. So she formed a mercenary duo after getting her assassin programming purged. I feel like that would be detrimental to her role in a mercenary duo. She still is a super droid with lots of strength and lots of brain power. And uh, I don't know how... So to... she can still murder people. She's just not compelled to murder right. people. She's a free woman. Now, question... I don't know what happened to Lebo. Article does not say what happened to Lebo. You know, his old droid co-pilot. I mean, like, he didn't like Dash anyway. So he probably, like... Screwed off somewhere. So, good to hear that Dash survived and so did Guri. I'm really happy. Well, I'm happy about half of that. 
Yeah. Statistically speaking, dash half, I'm happy. Statistically speaking, I'm happy about half of that. No, it's not the dash half. She loves the dash half. Moving along. I said I was going to do two songs. I'm pretty extra, so I did two songs. Uh, here's the second one. Okay. It's not about Dash. It's about uh, Zizor. Oh. I made songs for our, our heroes. I want to add it to the Shredders of the Empire soundtrack, so here we go. Come up to my palace. Sit down beside me. Come hurry up now. I don't like to wait. That's a good girl. You can leave us now, Guri. But now that you're here, don't I smell great? Suddenly, Zizor, pumping out pheromones. Do I see you blushing? You cannot pretend. Suddenly, Zizor is buzzing your hormones. Take a good whiff, dear. Zizor's your friend. What's with this green guy? He seems like a pervert, but for some reason, he has some allure. He's getting all handsy and being a real flirt. He's snapping his fingers, and I'm saying, sure. Suddenly, Zizor seems kind of attractive. He's giving me orders I can't comprehend. Suddenly, Zizor, it's quite charismatic. Zizor smells real good. Zizor's my friend. Zizor, this feeling won't last for forever. Before the cloud wears off, you gotta score. Okay, I'll smooch him. Wait, what's that banging? My friend the Wookiee is destroying the door. <laughs> Suddenly, Zizor. Suddenly, Zizor. He just brainwashed me. Oh shit, a Wookiee. Suddenly, Zizor. Suddenly, Zizor. Should probably run. I should run. That's a Wookiee run. And you I know, know what that means. He'll tear my arms He'll off. He'll tear your arms He'll off. He'll tear my arms He'll off. Tear I have to say, yeah, we've been married, uh, well, almost six, now five and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Been together 11 years as of this mm-hmm, past mm-hmm. January 4th. I have never been gladder that I oh, married you. Good. Yeah. You, I've never songs. been gladder. No, I really like those. Thanks. I, I really feel like I need to step up my game, though. I had free time this week. So. I never have free time. That is the problem. Well, if you ever want me to record a song for your segment, let me know. Well, I want to sing on one. You should. Well, okay. I'll try to think of something for next week. Whatever happens next week, guys, is going to be real musical. You don't have to. It just, you know, I don't mean to show you up. I just, uh... Well, you do every week. I don't. Ever. Speaking of showing up, who won the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst, the worst name challenge? Uh, well, it was a close one, actually, but... Was it? It was, yeah. Uh, Luke managed to sneak, squeak past Ratbag the Coward. Ah. Unfortunately, so Luke, we're gonna rise up into the rafters. Let's rise him up. Here he goes! Peace, you guy. Enjoy. I hope you find your dad. <laughs> Where the extra vowels go. So yeah, who do you bring to the table this week uh, as your new challenger? I have a new new one as well. I'd like to hear who you got. Well, that's a very good question. Hold Should on. I introduce mine while you're doing that? Yes. 
Okay, so my challenger is a background character from uh, Return of the Jedi. He is in Jabba's palace. He is a species called a Shevin. C-H-E-V-I-N. A Shevin? Yeah. Uh, he's known for his big, thick legs, his um, long face and nose region. You might say he looks a little like... Uh, I don't know, like a, like he's a, he's a kind of a pachyderm, maybe. Okay, uh, like a, like a camel or an elephant. Uh, you could say that. Uh, and his name is Effentmon. Effentmon. Okay, so this is this is the elephant man. No, it's Effentmon. No, this is the elephant man. It's Effentmon. 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 Okay, so they just took the, out the le. So it's not elephant. It's Effent. No, it's Effent Mon. He's a Shevin who worked for Massey Gorky and hung out. No, at wait, Gar- Massey Gorky? That deserves a, a place on the list all on its own. He was an arms dealer and a pachydermy-ish man. A, a pachydermy-ish man. This is pachydermoid. Effent Man. And you're telling me it has nothing to do with the Elephant Man, despite the fact that he is extremely deformed in much the same way that the Elephant Man was. And uh, Effent Mon. Effent Mon. Effent Mon. Okay, cool. That's what I bring to the table this week. Who you got? I feel like the reason this one makes the list is going to be far more apparent to any British listeners we may have. Oi, crikey. Um, this is a canonical character from Lord of the Rings. He is one of Butterbur's helpers in The Prancing Pony. Okay. And his name, and perhaps also his personality, is Nob. <laughs> knob? Yeah, absolute knob. Yeah, absolute knob. Yes, he is a knob, both in name and by reputation. Butterbur's helper... Knob. 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 So, right. I mean, that's bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's a cute name, but it's also bad. I feel like that used to be... Actually, I don't know. Did that used to be, like, a normal name in England? Like, a normal nickname? It might have been. Did it used to be, like, Dick? Where it's like, yeah, objectively, that's not a good nickname, Mm. but we all just accept it for some reason. Yeah. All right. Knob. All right. So, you can vote for which one you think is... The worst name to have. Uh, would you rather be named Knob or named Effentmon and look like Elephant Man? Be the one to tell us. It's our, on our Facebook, we're going to have the polls posted, as well as our Twitter, What's Lightsaber's Precious, at both of those. Um, and let us know which one you think would be the worst name to have. Oh, you can also check us out at www.whatslightsabersprecious.com. Or you can email us at whatslightsabersprecious at gmail.com. True enough. You can also rate us up on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for those of you who have done that already. If you leave us a review or rate us up, let me know. The offer is still on the table. I will draw you as a hobwalk. No questions asked. No charges on you except for your your lovely uh, uh, support of our show. So please do that. Yeah. Seriously, let me know. Either on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever. Just let me know. Don't be shy. We're Seriously, just human beings. We're just here to help you out. We're actually probably, like, far less cool than the average human being. Like... Who's the average human being? Who's, who's the most average person you can think of? Mm. And are we cooler than them? Don Draper. <laughs> He's not average. He's... Isn't that the average human being? I don't talk to a lot of human beings. Okay. But we are probably less cool than Don Draper. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's gonna be, like, our new slogan. Less cool than Don Draper. What's Lightsaber's like Precious? Less cool than Don Draper. <laughs> So yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, this week we'll have something kind of uh, special put up later this week that we recorded with our buddy Eric from Vertiguys and our buddy Connor from uh, uh, Life. And so, oh yes, this is very fun. You'll notice that we reference um, anime from time to time on this podcast. That's because we're weebs. In fact, I'm such a weeb that I, I learned Japanese and I'm a dra- Japanese interpreter, basically entirely because I like anime. So. Um, if you are into anime, you might like this. Be advised that it is probably a hard R in terms of its rating. We try to keep this PG realistically. It's probably more like PG-13 on this podcast. Yeah. This podcast that we did with Eric and Connor is about as R as R can get. Yeah, so you'll see that later this week. Listen to it if you want, or don't listen to it. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll do another episode next weekend. All right, see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.